Okay, it was Bradley Hawkins. Uh, we're going to talk about two short films I played in our little umbrella in Wild Sound, Calf Rope and uh, Night Voices. Both dramas, but both very different dramas, very different films. Thematically, is there a commonality in these two films? Mm, no, I'd actually say there really isn't other than um, I, I, uh, I did Calf Rope first. Uh, came okay. out in 2020. And Night Voice was just released this year. So I think there's some growth uh definitely growth in me as far as the type of films that I'm doing. Uh, and I'm uh, learning more about this each time. And I'm also becoming bolder about who I am being revealed through each of my movies. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, prior to Night Voices, my films were all very family friendly oriented. Uh, as you saw Calf Rope, you could attest to that. It's uh, um, definitely something you could watch with the entire family. Yeah, a seven-year-old could watch it just right next to their seventy-seven-year-old grandparent. Um, uh, and my previous films were of that same kind of a nature, uh, but uh, Night Voices is going to something that's a more mature topic. Uh, isn't necessarily yeah, exactly. something I would, yeah, isn't something I would recommend it to uh, kids under twelve. You know, um, uh, so there's been growth in that way as well. So I'm happy to talk about either one, however you want to. I was well since. Calf Rope was the first one done. Uh, let's talk about Calf Rope because we'll, we'll want it's it's 29 minutes. It's a period piece. Yep. It's about the father, grandson. Like you said, it's like a family kind of drama. Grandson, grandfather kind of like bonding over uh, horses and, and, and cattle roping. <laughs> and uh, but it's there's a feature script, right? Because I think that you submit also submitted the feature script to us. We, let's Correct. Talk, yeah. You want to this is like a proof of concept. You want to turn this into a feature. Yeah, even from the very beginning, the plan was for it to eventually become a feature. And it was really a challenge for the 29-minute short to take the content we had in mind and to be able to tell a concise, complete story within 29 minutes, which we had a lot of success with the film. The film did really terrifically on the film festival circuit globally, um, but it proved to be an excellent proof of concept for the feature that we want to lead it into for sure. So yeah, the script for the feature is all done. We're working on a pitch deck for it. I'm having meetings with people to to look for investors and building a team and such. And uh, if everything goes the way I hope, we'll be in production uh, fall of next year is, uh, is uh, the target I'm aiming oh, wow. for. Congratulations. Yeah. So this is a tough period piece. You know, not much like one would assume short film, not much of a budget. And there's a budget, but there's like, it's sort of like, and then you have a child actor. So basically they tell you three, three things not to do period piece, yep. <laughs> child actors and, and animals. And you kind of have all three. So you got it. <laughs> so what, why what, 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 were you mad or before? Like, what was your, like, Oh, you have um, to be a little bit mad to be wanting to do this, especially at my age. And, uh, you know, you know, making short films, you're not making any money, but I'm having the time of my life at my sixties now for sure. And this is something I just feel like at, at, Calf rope needed to come out of me, especially once I became a grandpa myself. I've got two young granddaughters that uh, are now ages seven and 10. And uh, it was sort of like, if I don't do this now, when am I going to do it? And uh, uh, kind of some of the, the feelings that Spielberg um, expressed with the Fablemans. It was like it reached a time of his life where he felt like, if I don't do this now, when do I? And so uh, uh, I think becoming a grandpa was a big... Um, a motivator to for me to get calf rope out and uh, uh and and be, as when you become a grandfather you definitely recall back when you were a grandchild and in the opposite role and 
how you idolize your grandparents or at least a particular grandparent. And uh, so that was a story. And I had all these memories were kind of coming back as I was playing with my young granddaughters and realizing I'm becoming my grandfather. And I don't even realize that that kind of a thing. So let's talk about your origin story, uh, because you're like you said, you said you're in your 60s now, your grandfather. So you were I'm just like scanning your bio. You were you were an educator. You're a high school teacher. Yes. Yep. Uh, uh, I was uh, teaching humanities, film studies, uh, and I was the online education director uh, at a local high school here from 2000 to about 2012. Part of that, I was a, a marching band director out in California. I was an actor for several years. Uh, I've kind of done all these arts, and now uh, that I've retired from teaching, I've gone back to the love of my life, which is making movies. So then, okay, so you're, you I mean, you also did stage productions for your high school uh, students, I guess, right? So, yeah. So, and then you did marching bands. What's like, what's, what, what does it one take to become a mar- marching band uh, director? I'm just like so curious about that. Uh, well, first off, it's, it's really, it was my way of being a movie director, but on a football field where you have like 90 to 100 musicians and uh, the drill team and yeah. such, and you're choreographed, you're telling a story for 13 minutes that involves, motion and uh, music and audio, uh, audio and visual, uh, but in a uh, musical element that way. And so uh, the football feels is like a, a giant mixing board where you decide where your instruments are going to be to bring it out. And when you want somebody to focus on a, a flag twirler or something like that, or a, a horn maneuver, you, uh, you highlight that as well. Um, and the other thing about being a marching band director is, is that you're in charge of a huge organization which is very similar to making a movie where you've got, you know, crew and cast and 40 extras. And in the case of calf rope, like 40 horses and cattle and all this to be able to manage. And so I had experience, you know, earlier experience, but as a marching band director for a big group kind of project that way. And, and this is, you went on during the football games, you went at halftime. You, oh no, this is a, this is competitive marching. Competitive. Band. Okay. Right. Yes. We, as a matter of fact, not even associated with a school. This was like uh, a high school marching band on steroids where the very best of the best from each uh, high school, their rock stars would get together and rehearse with me during the evenings and weekends. And we compete with those kids uh, on tours during um, the summer months and competed with other groups like ours throughout the country. My group was a five year, five year international champion. So we got to be pretty good at it. So, and that's uh, a lot of moving parts in terms of equipment. It is a lot of moving parts. Like that seems like a machine. It is, and as a matter of fact, when you have, I had, a, I would have an annual uh, boss would be a board of directors, very much like a producing team or a production company in the film role that's looking out for the budget for the for the show you're putting on and such. So yeah, a lot of correlations between being a, a marching band director and being a film director for sure. Okay, so then you retired in 2012, and then you started to become you. You you went into acting for a bit, or you're still acting, yep. but and that was in sort of like you just said, well, I got I got the time, I got the I got the desire, and I'm just going to be an actor for a bit. Yeah, well, I was even acting some while I was teaching. I was getting I got a, an acting job here in Pennsylvania to be uh, in a uh, reenactment uh, episode of Gettysburg. And so they used me as a Confederate soldier in that while I was still teaching high school. So it was a bug I still obviously had, you know, that I couldn't shake off. And I was directing plays and such and directing kids at the high school level. So it was still something very much that was in my um, passion of mine. So once I retired from it, it was like, I have no excuses anymore. I'm going full into this. And uh, 
my wife's still teaching uh, and loves it. So we're not concerned about, you know, you know, it, if I eventually make what I did as a teacher, that would be great. But that's not the goal. I'm just having a fun time and having a lot of success of it, uh, at it as a short film director, now looking to break through the glass ceiling into features. Well, this Cockrope is kind of like an epic short film. It's 30 minutes long. It's a bit, it's a coming of age story of the of the grandson, kind yep. of told from his point of view. Yep. Got some really uh interesting shots in the film, like especially the 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 horse in the in the beginning scenes where they kind of have that kind of drone shot from above. Yeah, you're talking about the uh, flashback rodeo scene when the grandfather was a boy. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we were really very fortunate with that. Is that the boy that's roping the calf in that in that scene is actually was actually thirteen at the time and was the Penn State of Pennsylvania Junior Rodeo Champion that we were able to get to play that role in that. And that a stadium that arena you saw was a back was in the, the his backyard. His family built him an arena for him to practice in to be able to get to that state championship level. Uh, so as the authenticity was very much there. And as you saw in there, we had a lot of background extras that were, we had just a lot of community support to make calf rope. Every single location you see in calf rope was contributed. We didn't have to pay a dime for any single location you saw in there, including the cattle auction, the hospital scene, the rodeo scene, you name it. Every single place said, hey, you know, we just want to be part of this. Even with the cars, we had a lot of confidence about the antique cars, antique cars in the film. Because yeah. we're doing everything to get the 60s as right as possible. Since it's a time, the film takes place when I was a boy of that age uh, in the 60s. It was basically, uh, Brandon, the boy in it, is sort of filling in for me. I was going to get I was going to get to that. You get, it's weeks of like in a good way of, of uh, autobiographical elements. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of actual. Uh, it, I, I I refer to Caffrope as being how I remember those years, sure. and I'm sure a lot of it is factual, and other it's has been hyperbole that's grown in my head and uh, whatever. Sure. But uh, yeah, it's uh, so I I knew, but I knew all the details of how it had to look production wise and such. So anyway, back to the cars. The, the community wanted to get so involved with this. When I'd find a car that I'd want to use, I'd go to speak to the owner, and they'd always look at me a little bit. Uh, concerned the person and ask, so how much is this going to cost me to have my car in your movie? In other words, flipping it around, thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> thinking that uh, they were going to have to pay to have their car in the show. So, well, we can work on a good deal. Because <laughs> yeah. so, uh, someone who worked locations in the Toronto industry, like the picture cars are a multi-million dollar business. So it's funny that oh, you're renting that, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just there's no sense of that here. So one of the things I look forward to doing with this as a feature is going back, reusing those uh, 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 locations that you saw in the short but this time be able to pay them decently for day rates for using their places. Yeah. And they'll, they'll just be over the moon to be back in the movie. At, and this time to have their house, you know, get paid for, uh, you know, the, the equal for their rent for, or house payment for us using it for a few days. Yeah. Well, good to go back to, to, to the film. It's like, but he's basically, it's like your, your hyperbole or your version of, what took place, but it really is the point of view of the kid anyway. So it's sort of like, it is. that's how you directed the film. That's how you like, that's the, that's the story. So it kind of works that Correct. way. Yeah. 66. It's like a really interesting, cause the dinner table kind of sums up the film in many ways where it's a long scene too. Lots of like, yeah. it must've took a couple of days to shoot that, that sequence. Kids are eating lots of food. You're, that was four hours. 
You four hours we got that done. Yes. It was, it was, uh, but uh, we were being chased by a storm, like when they go outside and uh, the, the grandfather leaves the table, it goes out. And uh, yeah. they, we were chasing the storm. But no, we had we had that rehearsed. That scene was rehearsed um, extensively so we could do it that quickly, for okay. sure. But yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that's a scene where the love language of the grandmother is really her cooking. And so all of those details that you saw in that kitchen table in that kitchen scene are my memories of what my grandmother would have actually made for yeah. a dinner when we come to visit with the pot roast beef and the homemade mashed potatoes and the snap green beans and all of that. Even the the silverware and such was like as if she had made the made the meal. It's like there's I know it's the post Kennedy era, but it's like uh, it's there's an innocence, right? Like they're like there's milk yep. on the table. They're praying. Right? Yeah, for dinner, yep. it's like America. Yeah, a very different, very yeah. different era. Yeah, a very yeah. different era. Uh, a very a wholesomeness, definitely, uh, um, definitely what would have gone on in that family's life and and in the in their in their culture, especially there in the Midwest, would very much be that way. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, okay, so then the 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 the, the kid is so important. The castings. Uh, yes. He kind of he's like helping your film, like he's carrying your film. Child actor, where did you find this this uh, this uh, the 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 child actors in this film? You just named the, the toughest. You just named the the toughest part of making this movie was finding the boy to play that role. Yeah, and I literally auditioned nationwide for that. In the sense of when my previous film was called Filling In, it was a comedy fantasy about tooth fairies and their day to day life. Uh, 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 a comedy. But whenever I'd go to a film festival in Seattle or San Jose or uh, Los Angeles or Atlanta for a screening of my previous film, I'd stay there a couple days longer to hold auditions for Calf Rope to look for this boy to play able to play this part. It was really, really hard to find because it's a very emotional role. They've got to very much carry it, carry the film yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, uh, and um uh, Ended up after chasing all over the country, we ended up finding the kid about an hour from me up in Reading, Pennsylvania. That was just absolutely perfect for it, and uh, 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 it was really, it was really a, a blessing to be able to find him. Not only out of all the nation, but that close to where we, we where we live. So it saved on the expenses of flying a kid out from L.A. or something, yeah. and, uh, and that whole thing. And there's another thing that we got held up with it is that when I did this search looking for the boy, we had planned to have the film shot in 2018, but we weren't able to get all the funds together for it. So we had to hold off until 2019 to shoot anything that includes the boy. So what does that lead to shoot in 2018? That's the flashback rodeo scene that you saw and the epilogue, which takes place in 2019, where that boy was now grown up and now is the grandfather himself. Yeah. So in 2018, we got those bookend shot, use that to create a teaser uh, trailer uh, and got the rest of the money to film in 2019. By that time, the boys I saw in 2018 had outgrown the role, because if you're looking for like a nine or 10 year old, they they, they could be shaving by the following year. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Their, their voice is going to change. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you got it. Just out, I've outgrown it. So I'm so glad that the money didn't come together all in 2018 so that we could found that kid because he he just killed it. I mean, that was his very first film, and he ended up winning 27 awards around the world for his performance in that role. Um, 
Yeah, he's fantastic. And yeah. there's that's the scene. What do they call it? Like when he when the, like there's there's some really great moments in the film where like he's following his grandpa. What is the the cattle rope? Uh, um, what do you call it when he's going? Like he he gives a big speech. The grandfather gives. The oh, speech. it's the cattle auction. The cattle auction. Cattle auction. Scene. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not I'm not familiar with the world. Yeah. So yeah. Sure. No, I get it. Yeah, it's a, definitely a different world for sure. Yeah. That scene is very much from my memories because I remember what my granddad taking me to a cattle auction. Yeah. One of the things that's different from in the movie is that there were doors that would that you would open to go in it. Where in the film, it's open ended and you just walked in. Because the smell of those doors opening up just knocked me just about on my butt at age seven of what it smelled like going in there. But the things that you see in the short that are exactly what I remember was looking around, seeing everybody smoking. Uh, yeah, that's one- what I, lo- I was just going to bring that up. I love that scene where you like have the inserts of like these people just smoking like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it. it was the way yeah. it was, you know. Uh, uh, and um, But also when he started calling, you know, doing the, ch- the cattle rattle. Yeah. That feeling of being kind of projected upright to him at that point, like there was nobody else there with a camera pushes in on him. That's exactly what that emotionally felt like to me. And the way that when he's pointing his fingers left and right uh, to whoever he's calling on the you know, catching on the bid, yeah. flashing back in my memory about playing with my my pop gun. And, yeah. and, at, and at that moment, I thought I remember thinking, wow, my granddad really is a cowboy. He may not be holding a gun. But he is, he's just like a cowboy. And that was like, that's where I really felt a strong connection with him at that point. It was like, it was like the, what's the, what's the, like, it's kind of like a Boy Scouts for cattle rank. Like, what is that? Is that the Boy Scouts or what is that, that he was? A, the, oh, there's a Cub Scout scene. Cub like Scouts, a, a okay. Backyard where they're, where the grandfather's teaching him how on a, on a, a calf dummy, how to yeah. rope, that kind of thing. Yeah. Can you still do uh, that today? Can you still do the rope thing? Yeah, I can actually. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm not gonna. Uh, you know, I, I'm not great at it, but I do. That yeah. muscle, that muscle memory is still there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and that and that technique of teaching little boys and little girls how to rope calves is still used today. Matter of fact, the head of that that uh, is on like a um, uh, uh, what do you call it for a, uh, a? It's a table like for saute saute table that had a, a calf's head put on it for the boys to be able to rope. That head was actually made by the young boy who is the calf roper in the fl- flashback. So he, he made that for us uh, to put on there. But uh, And at the end of the film, when you see the eight millimeter footage, that scene where the grandfather is down there tying knots with the boys yeah. and they're playing with the ropes, that, that again, it actually happened. That whole calf, that Cub Scout meeting was authentic. Yeah, it's, uh, there's some little subtleties in your film. Uh, fantastic job. No wonder it's doing so well. Oh, thank uh, you. Circuit. So what you said you submit to us and you got your audience feedback, but this is at the tail end of your festival run a couple of years later. And then uh, so you've this already got the accolades, right? But this is but this is all perfect timing for it, though, in the sense of the end game is the feature. So right now what I have is the best business card one could ask for is a 29 minute proof of concept yeah. that I know what I'm doing. I know how to tell this tale with authenticity that's a whole lot more to the story it's so much better than a business card or even a trailer to prove that i know what i'm doing to be able to find investors to make the make the feature so what did you think of what our audience had to say about your film i loved it it was so sweet and uh it was really clear that uh, it was so neat to hear younger people uh you know half my age or if not younger 
be able to relate to how it made them think about their relationships with their own grandparents and how they wish they would could spend more time with them or did and realizing how time passes by. And uh, the ones that were a bit older realizing that uh, you never know what a young child is going to pick up from you and and end up using when they're an adult. That's why that whole term CAFRO, without giving it away, yeah. takes on other meanings as the film goes on with more depth to it. And when you get to the end, you see that that playful uh, playfulness of that term calf rope when somebody tickles you basically calf rope what that means in cowboy language it means i surrender so that's why my grandfather would used to tickle me relentlessly until i said the magic words calf rope and now today in 2023 my granddaughters know that they if they want if they want to grandpa to stop tickling them they just have to say calf rope and it's over with but as you see in the film that that takes on much more weight as the film goes on. And I, I really love that about the story. Yeah, fantastic. It's a really fun film. I really enjoyed watching because you don't really see shorts done like this. So no matter what, it's uh, no matter, like it makes sense why it's done so well in the festival circuit. Thank you. Let's talk about the next film, uh, which is a different tone, different vibe, different everything, uh, Night Voices, 24 minutes. It's a more serious film. Before a quick segue, I want to, I want to, uh, give you bravo for your social media presence oh and, thank uh, you because it's like a cliche where like if, as soon as you hit 60 or the you're the baby boomer generation doesn't really know much uh but uh, whoever if you're if it's you then you're amazing it, but whoever's well, helping you. you out with the social media presence you got some nice uh, twitter um facebook pages instagram pages instagram, yeah. website solid like well uh, one of the things i did while i was teaching high school is i was the online education director okay. so i kind of gravitated towards playing with the graphics at that time and creating content for kids so i had to make it engaging and uh interesting so it was it was a skill set that i had developed and uh but thank you for the compliment i appreciate it. i am like an old a very old guy to be doing it that's for sure no, but you're, yeah, it's fantastic. So, okay, so tell me about this film. It's 24 minutes. Is this, a, there's a feature version in this film as well? No, there's no plans to turn this into a feature. It's self-contained. It's a, it's a very, um, it's a once and done. If anything, if I was to do a collection of, of strange but true stories or things that were uh, of a more spiritual nature, um, as a collect as a collection, this could be included in something like that. But there's no plans to take Night Voices any further, uh, other than it's it's really connecting. Well, uh, to to start off, it's really walking the razor's edge in lots of ways. It absolutely, is a thriller, a psychological thriller, but it has a very redemptive fourth act that you don't see coming. Uh, so it's doing very well in uh, as both a thriller and as a, a faith adjacent, faith based film. Also, if uh, if audience will stick in for it and not give up on it, that are uh, looking to find a faith based film or a faith adjacent film. Yeah. So one of the things that's happened for me, the older I get, I'm getting more bold about who I am, and I'm uh, and I really am wanting to use the skills that I've gotten. Um, in a godly way and for people to know who more I am. So it's, I'm being much bolder about my faith. Uh, but yet I want to be one of those filmmakers that is part of the vanguard of um, uh, elevating what 
many refer to as faith-based films, which can sometimes come off like a pejorative in the yeah. sense that people have a picture of. It, oh, well, so it also it, like it's bad marketing. Well, sometimes it's good marketing for because it go it, it builds a base, but it's bad marketing because people are going to be turned away from it, right? If you call it a faith-based. That is that that is definitely a risk because I I think every faith-based movie is well intended. The problem has been is that they're not all well executed, and people have come to expect that when they see a movie, they expect a certain level of level level of excellence. And so that's one of the things that I do not want to sacrifice on in making my films is keep the the level of excellence at the level they, uh, that people expect to see from any film, and be able to introduce people to maybe um, uh, spiritual um, faith based ideas. But not try to um, hammer them over the head with it, or make them feel like uh, uh, that my goal is to ask them to get on their knees and accept Jesus after watching a twenty-four minute movie. That's not my quest. I want to just make uh, uh, get people to think about ideas. And in Night Voices, one of the key ideas is: Do things happen by coincidence, or are they by design in some way? Uh, you know, uh, anything you wanted to say to intro? The topic of night voices since you had a chance to see it no well i, I was just like it's it's basically like you said it's got it's got a, it's a thriller tone to it and it's basically about a, a radio host who basically is uh you know he's like he's gonna come coming to crossroads i guess on 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 air right so which is yeah, it, drama. It's, yeah he's down to the dumps he's uh feel like he's he's spiraled down from a career that was more successful earlier uh, he's on the he's on the downslope, I guess. So that's very much so. Yeah. He's and every night he goes to work, all he hears is negativity and people that are calling in and just tearing into him or tearing into somebody else. It's just all heaviness. It's a and metaphor it's just, for me. It was like it's kind of like a metaphor for today's world with like Twitter and like everybody tries to do something. There's the there's like there's always negativity. I guess right. They bingo. It's almost getting a rush off of calling in anonymously or sending a Twitter anonymously and to be able to vent that way. Yeah. And somebody's got to go there and take all that. And then here, this guy is barely holding on to a job at the you know a local talk radio host gig at the graveyard shift yeah. when and the people who are up from two to six in the morning and calling in yeah. are usually has something to gripe about yeah and uh, and so that's that just weighs down him to the point where he's about ready to just say i've had enough and without going further uh well there's something uh, about like being up at night right like uh yeah. i used to work uh, i used to work at midnight shift in a grocery store and there was something psychologically damaging, in my opinion, about yeah. being up in the middle of the night. Like just like there was, it was just there. There was like a, it was it was, it was just like weight in your body for the whole a time. loneliness about it as well. Matter of fact, uh, what we tried to show in Night Voice is that is that the character Jude Wilcox, we see three prisons that he has. One is his house where it's nothing there. It's just him and the TV set, and it's not he's not keeping it up. His other prison in his car which is, a, and if you see it's beat up, it's like a 2001 Saturn in 2023. Yeah. And then the radio station itself is trashed. And then he goes in, he's listening to all this negativity. It's like lonely and negative and dark and and uh, hopeless, just a sense of la a lack of hope. So that's really interesting how you brought that up because I've had, I've had those graveyard shifts also, but that wasn't on my forefront when making this film. Yeah, uh, but that's interesting. Yeah. Well, everybody, everybody's asleep, and you're up, right? Like it's yeah, yeah. yeah. 
yeah yeah and that's so that's what he's struggling with and it's very depressed and it's a um but there's a you know just sometimes life just takes a, a turn that you don't see coming and it can change everything and uh uh, that's one of the things that we uh, try to demonstrate in this. Well, some so you, so you wrote. I was going to say you wrote this, co-wrote the screenplay with Peter Fenton. Correct. What was yeah, that? Yeah. Where did this idea come from to to do to do this type of the type of film I, about this? I knew that I, I knew that I wanted to do something that was a complete opposite of what the star of Caffrope did, Gorman Ruggiero, who plays Mac at Caffrope. He's the star of Night Voices. Okay. And so I was looking for something that could be as far different from. Uh, Grant, the friendly, lovely, loving Grandpa Mac to this character, Drew Wilcox. So that was part of the inspiration. The other was my wanting to be bolder about my faith. And a couple of, couple of specific scriptures came out to me that I wanted to um, play with in a writing. Um, uh, and uh, one of them has to do with the power of the tongue, about how the tongue can be used to heal, but it could also be used to harm. And we've got to be really careful about the words we chose because we absolutely can tear somebody apart with just the use of a word. The little nursery rhyme that we're taught as a kid, rock, uh, sticks and stones may break our bones, but names can never hurt me. That's not reality. A name could be very hard. Yeah, it's not really somebody. true, right? So It isn't true. No. It isn't true. So words can be... Words are emotional abuse is, is just as bad as physical abuse, right? Absolutely. And once we shoot off our mouth, we can't pull that bullet back. It's gone. It's fired off. So that's that was inspired from Proverbs uh, eighteen twenty one. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And that idea really hit home with the idea of talk radio, all this rah, 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 at each other. That really felt like that world. The other scripture that I uh, wanted to jump on was how unpredictable life is and how brief it can be. So Psalms ninety twelve is teach us to realize the brevity of life, so that we may grow in wisdom. And as we learn through this story in in uh, Night Voices, there's a story that's being told, not going to say who by or how it comes up, that reveals of tragedy uh, in a young person's life that just is harrowing and heartbreaking to hear. And, um, and this character, Jude Wilcox, being on the verge of making life-altering decisions and about how things can just happen in a second, how life can change one way or the other, just so briefly. And that, and so those two, those two um, scriptures from the Bible really jumped out at me as a, as something that could work well with this story. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, yeah, I love that. I love the idea of like kind of you, you saying with the actor, kind of like giving him the exact opposite, like the like other role. He's loving and he's like optimistic and. Yep. And this guy yep. is the opposite of that. So it's, it's really the antithesis of the character yeah. uh, as well. And, and this has really served uh, Gorman Ruggiero very well. He's winning award after award for this role, yep. and he won several for uh, Cafro. But now he's being able to show on his uh, IMDb and his resume and such, yep. such a wide range of skills. And he's really tested a lot in Night Voices with all these different emotions and how he's got to come through and often just have to use them on his face while he's listening to listeners, yeah. you know, where he doesn't speak a word, but you can see his reaction to those voice and those night voices from uh, being able to witness his reactions as he's listening. You know, yeah, well, exactly. We're like, cause it's like you're, you, like you got some, like uh, your camera's moving a little bit, but you're kind of like letting him 
tell the story. Like you're, he's lots of dialogue. It's a different, whereas the other calf rope is very much a visual kind of like, obviously you got, it's a conversations going on, but it's a very much a visual kind of film. This one's just like, it's your film cinematic, but at the same time, you're letting him tell this, this actor, tell the story. One of the things that we, my goal was with Night Voices was to make it a movie that you want to listen to every yeah. bit as much as you want to watch, because every sound is very intentional. Even the sound design, which is one awards, um, is very intentional with about the moods and how dark it could be at one moment and then change and then just kind of uh, uh, unexpectedly at another time and uh, really kind of be another character within the in, within the piece. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, this is very much a film to listen to every much as, every bit as much as watch. Yeah. So it reminded me of the film, different, obviously different tone, but uh, talk radio. Um, You're obviously old enough to remember 1988, right? So Well, uh, to be honest, a lot of the cinematography ideas came from watching yeah. talk, re revisiting the very tight shots of it, just the DJ and the mic that really very the much. The mic is, is a character. You made him the, the mic, mic a is character. a character. Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that Oliver Stone film very like, it was like, he just won an Oscar and then he just makes this like in independent film afterwards with Eric Bogosian. It was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very interesting yeah. choice for him to go to, but I thought it was very artistic and yeah, yeah. it was, no, it was recognized for its cinematography. I think it, I think it was actually Oscar nominated for the cinematography, if I remember cor correctly. Yeah, but it's just, but it's like, it's about like this guy, he's like, he's unraveling. It's like, it's a different kind of unravel, but it's like, it's about this talk show host. It's just like, who's like just going down the, down the, the, his, his negativity is just taking him down downwards. And he's just. Exactly. Yeah. And, no, and, the, and the people he's talking to are like, kind of like adding fuel to his fire. Right. They're just you, like. You got it. Down. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And it's so great to talk to somebody who has seen that and is aware of talk radio because yeah. absolutely it was a visual and a metaphorical kind of, um, I, it, it definitely helped plant the seed that the scriptures I picked, the actor I chose, my purpose for what I wanted to do with that actor and seeing that revisiting that film is like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Well, cause I, it was funny cause I had, there was, I had this like movie channel in Canada where like, they have all they they show all these classic movies, right? Not the not the Turner Turner one, but a kind of different one. And that movie came on, and I ended up watching it like maybe five six months ago. And I realized that my God, this this character is such a he's such an ad like. Yeah, you uh, can say it. <laughs> so I'm talking about he, he's, he's such a like he's just a bad guy, and it's just he like but it's he's ahead of his time. And it's like now it's like on TV, everybody's got to be bad. But basically, it's like they didn't make movies like this in the '80s, where like this this like the main character who's in every scene is just a such a douchebag. Like he's just yeah. he's such a bad person, right? So well, as as you saw when Jude finally gets on on the air yeah. after he, the changing of the guard at the radio station. Uh, he's he starts with his he's got his own diatribe and yeah. putting down the vets on uh, you know what is it uh, Veterans Day and saying you're you're staying up here in your underwear half drunk listening to this why yeah. are you listening to the show that kind of thing that same kind of a negative attitude uh, and I get you brought it up very well though when you mentioned about that a person being alone when everybody else is asleep except yeah. for these people that want to join him in this kind of this pity party kind of a thing yeah. Well, yeah, the, the irony is that when you work at a grocery store, you're listening to the radio at nighttime, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> and it was all these conspiracy shows, right? Like about like uh like about like oh there's you know my era like 9/11 all these whatever it's like and they're just feeding off of these people who are up all night, right? Like yeah, you like, got it. Don't trust anybody. You know what I mean? Like the especially the government and like you see where we're at right now basically but just oh, like Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, and that's the thing that we're witnessing with audiences. They're definitely leaning in and very much listening to it. And uh, there's always a lot of discussion after it when there's an opportunity for a Q&A. Uh, and people are, are very much connecting with it and seeing that this is um, – the timing is perfect for a yeah. story about let's watch our words, you know, be, be more careful about what we say to each other and just show some kindness. I mean, uh, you know, with all the headlines about, you know, a, a, you know, it was it – was, it was tearing me up hearing about, you know, a kid get, being shot in the face for ringing the wrong doorbell, you know, and just people jumping just so quick to violence and uh, thinking the worst of each other. Um, just I've had enough of that and I don't want to be part of that. I want to do I wanted to create something that got pe got people to be thinking about choosing kindness. As a matter of fact, well, my, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I was going to say there's a, there's a divide like you're in the perfect state for it. Right. Like there's like you're in the swing, the, the, the capital of the swing states, right? Like, it's like, there's a divide that's, that's occurring and you have more in common than you don't have in common, but it's, it's, it, the system is set up that if you're on that side, I don't like you no matter what. Right. So. Exactly. It's all about finding out where, where can you agree on yeah. and have a conversation, especially if people are friends that maybe have different political sure. viewpoints. Yeah. But the thing is that be able to still keep that friendship and talk about it as something separate rather than something that's between you and I. So that we realize we're, we're all people. We may have different ideas about it. And yelling and screaming and making these ridiculous uh, threats and such to each other, people don't listen to that. We have to have a tone to where people listen to try to understand and, uh, and to make an effort to listen, to listen to what they're saying and let them know that they've been heard by by speaking back and maybe we saying it in another way and that doesn't mean you have to agree with them but just people want to know that they're being understood yeah that well if you can figure that out <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a it's a quest yeah. it's a quest of mine but uh but if nothing else as a filmmaker yeah. my my intent is to get people to think about things like that Sure, that's what that's what storytelling is all about, right? And that, that it's, yep. it's it's been proven true that that's what happens in our society, right. where like something comes out and it just it comes out at the right time, and just people respond to it because they need to respond to it, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a really it's a it's a really really great film. It's like it's gutsy because it's it's a long short film, but it's like it's really like especially the last like maybe ten minutes, it's really just him, right? Yeah, him, him, and the caller. Yeah, uh, the, the unexpected caller when we go split screen. Yeah, but yeah. it's really yeah, exactly. But it's like it's like a lot of it's just really oh, it's, like, yeah, out of him. and yeah, yeah, yes, it's all really it's all gauged off of what uh, a Jude, the DJ, the talk radio host, is taking in. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, you're right. Even when the call is over, he's taking in what's in his office and what's actually happening outside, and how does this correlate with things that we said earlier said to him earlier in the day. And again, my point being, does this did this all happen by coincidence or was this by divine design? And that's where I'm I'm coming from. I really don't believe in coincidence. I believe that things are by design. And that's one of the things I'm trying to tell in my story. 
So you don't believe that we don't we all we all don't have a free free choice and oh we absolutely do have a free choice, we absolutely do. But uh, and this is going this is probably a deeper conversation we have time for right now. But yes, I absolutely do believe we have a free choice. But what I mean is that we're I believe that we're given those opportunities to make choices, but that God knows what decisions we're going to be making, and as uh, and that opportunities come our way. Not by accident, but by design. I, I, you know, I, I really do fully believe that there's uh, angels that help us out when uh, in a situation that are God ordained, um, and uh, that we're being protected and that we're loved. Um, uh, and uh, those are those are some of the things that I'm I'm expressing now at my age, which I was holding off more when I was a younger filmmaker and such, because yeah. I. You know, I'm I'm going to be turning 67 here in a few weeks. Yeah. I don't know how much time I have left, but what what time with with what time I have left? Yeah. I want to make movies that matter and that inspire people to strive to be better, to make this a better world. Yeah. And, at the same time, you want to make movies that you want to make, right? That you feel yeah. Like and those are the kinds of movies that I want to make, though. Yeah. You're not scared. You're not scared of the judgment and somebody. No. Like, no, I'll, I'll take it on. Yeah, you know, because uh, this is my point of view, you know, and uh, uh, and, uh, and I think in our story, Night Voices, if you don't agree with me, feel free to let me know. Yeah. But where this message is coming from uh, that is being said that changes that changes things is such an innocent voice being said. And um, Jude doesn't react to it really vis- uh, verbally. But you can see it on his face that he's taking it in and he's thinking about what this boy's what the what the young person's saying. Yeah. And it does affect him even after the call is hung up. Yeah. Well, if there's the commonality with your two films is that there's the the like the the baby boomer meets the younger. Oh, like I know it's a different, it's a it's a period piece. So I should say the the grandfatherly, the older gentleman having kind of like mentoring and a kind of like a sometimes in this one probably dysfunctional and the other one more of a of a copacetic and, and emotionally healthy relationship but it's still it's still a relationship between you know a young person and, and an older person right so it is and i think a lot of, that, that's kind of something that you'll see in a lot of my films is that my films are very multi-generational yeah. in their storytelling certainly these two are my earlier films have kids in the films as well um, and a lot of that comes from me being a teacher for decades yeah. and being a father and a grandfather. I'm very comfortable working with kids and adults uh, and seniors. It doesn't matter the age and uh, seem to have a gift for that. Uh, um, the performances I've been able to pull out of young kids who've never been in front of the camera before um, is part of, I think, my strengths as a filmmaker um, is uh, is being able. That's that. Uh, that's it. I'm a. Uh, a director who came to directing through acting. Yeah. Whereas a lot of directors come through script writing or from the, the camera. I'm not a camera guy at all. I'm learning more about it each film, but I put pros in those positions on what they're great at yeah. so that so that I can do what I'm great at on the set. And ultimately, I'm a storyteller. I know how to t- take all these pieces and put it together at the end when it comes to in the post-production stage. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's finish it off. Well, because we'll we'll tell you like the your post the post production on both your films are nice, nicely edited, nicely paced. There's no lull time. You're not repeating story beats, but you have a nice sound design. Did you use the same sound designer on both films? No, those are different people on on each film. Um, uh, it's 
I, a lot of this comes from my music background. Yeah. I'm a unique mo movie director in the sense of it's rare for people in post to be working with a film director who has much musical and sound experience as I do. They don't typically run into that. So I have I have way more experience from my past careers as a marching band and a choir and jazz yeah. band director than I do as a filmmaker. I'm now in my 60s picking that up where I've always wanted to do. But it's from these skills that I've had from my 20s through my 50s, all all adding together. So, yeah, it's, it's very rare. Sound is very important in all my movies. So you said that you were, uh, you were doing this podcast in mid-August. Mid it will show up later. But you're, uh, you said your birthday's in a couple of weeks. And so I'm assuming you're a Virgo. And, yeah. Uh, if that means anything to you. <laughs> it doesn't, but that's okay. <laughs> but no, no, no. The more point I was trying to make is that is that it's sort of like, you, you're a teacher and your birthday starts before school every year, right? So every year you have a birthday and then the school starts. And then, so it's almost Actually, like a new beginning for you every year. It, well, there's something to that. Usually schools are, at least in Pennsylvania, start earlier, like mid-August. Oh, so, okay. So I guess and, it, and, yeah, for Canadian, it starts after Labor Day, day after Labor Day. Well, so. and that's smart. I, I think that's a great idea. I wish they did that here. So but yeah, my, my birthday always falls on Labor Day weekend, usually yeah. that kind of so there's usually a break so sometimes in some years my birthday would happen on a school day others it would not that kind of a thing gotcha but it, no, yeah, yeah, i was just right. trying to i was just trying a to find start. the metaphor right so yeah the new start absolutely yeah 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 and so then yeah so the end of the film he basically without giving too much away there's like yeah. he, he's uh he's a different guy he is a different guy at the end. He literally he sees the light, I guess, right? Because it's the morning. Yeah, it's fair to say he's seen the light. Uh, or or he sees, I think a good way to put it is that he, where he thought life was hopeless, yeah. he sees hope. Yeah. And that, and that's enough. That, uh, all of my movies tend to have, uh, I've been, my brand has been referred to as sort of Pixar, live action Pixar. Okay. In where, there may be darkness along the way, but you could pretty much count that there's going to be something of hope or inspiration towards the end, even if you don't see it coming. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, we have, we've had a long conversation on two films. Fantastic. You were uh, really easy to talk with. Thank you for being that way. You're, I love your conversational uh, approach to this. Thank you. Uh, well, no, I, well, it's, it, it takes two to tango, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it tango or tango? I don't even know. Tango, so. tango, two to tango. It's a, it's two to tango. <laughs> or tangle, I guess that would work too. Yeah, well, it does take two to tango too, right? So basically. Yeah, so. yes, yeah, that's very true. But the terminology is tango, right? So yeah, so, yeah <laughs> if, uh, if people would like to find out more about what I'm doing, uh, my production company is called Dadly Productions. Well, yeah, we'll link it to the we'll link it to the podcast for sure. Oh. It's a, like I said, it's a nice website. You got a nice Instagram. You're showing all your awards, and you're Thank on your you. way. I guess you want to get that feature done, right? I'm sure yep, you. Will. I need to make break through that glass glass ceiling uh, into the features. I'd still would. I have some shorts I'd like to do at some point, yeah. but it's time. It's time to to uh, go go the full out with a feature on the next couple projects for sure. Yeah, and go go Pennsylvania. Yay! <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know next year how I want you guys to vote. So uh oh, uh, uh, um, well, how do I put this? Uh, I've my wife and I have often said how nice Toronto is. Okay. <laughs> so uh, um, yes, we're, we're very. Um, yeah, I could already tell that we see things the same way that way. Okay. Well, that's yeah. that's that's good. Not that that matters, right? It doesn't matter. No, no, it does. And it doesn't matter. That's a good point. Even my whole idea about. Being able to talk, whether we agree or not, but uh, it but is, it's a big lectoral, like like some some there's some that's a big it's a big state, right? It's, it's an important. It is a state. very big state, yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. It only comes down to a few states now. And that's and if, as a Canadian, you kind of want your country to kind of run smoothly. You don't want chaos anymore. So I absolutely had enough of that. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> on that note can't wait to see your feature film thank you for your conversation and we'll talk soon thank you very much appreciate it one two three four five six seven eight schlemiel schlemizel heisenbeck incorporated